Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you are looking to place a bet on any of the sports betting going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law. This is episode five of season three. We have a very special guest with us, a dear friend and very well-respected colleague in the uh, sports industry, Casey Schwab, who is the CEO of Altius Sports Partners, and uh, which really focusing in on the name, image, and likeness uh, aspect of uh, college sports. So uh, I want to bring Casey in, and I'm going to go over his background a little bit, but he is the, the former vice president of business and legal affairs of the NFL Players Association, former director of business and legal affairs at Fox Sports, former manager of business administration and NFL media for the National Football League. He's also uh, in his spare time, a adjunct professor uh, uh, previously at USC, uh, Gold School of Law, and then now currently at Howard uh, back in Washington, DC. Very well-respected person, as I mentioned. Uh, he's founded this new company, um, Altia Sport Partners. So I uh, want to bring him in. So Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you again for being with us. Yeah, man. Appreciate you having me. It's been a while since we've seen each other, since I moved away from LA, but was really glad to have you reach out. And it's good, good to see you over a screen and to hear your voice. Right, you too, my friend. So um, what I could gather, and first of all, I love what you're doing um, with the company. I think this is so awesome. And, um, and I think really fulfilling a need. And so I, I would love to hear, um, you know, sort of uh, how you, you know, how you kind of came up with, with the idea. And um, so what I can gather is that it's uh, that the company is really responsible for um, looking at name, image, and likeness, uh, kind of bringing into the education aspect, compliance, uh, recruiting tools, fundraising, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. You've currently got uh, obviously LSU, the Tigers, and then University of Texas, um, uh, as your two major uh, sort of company, or I guess universities that you're working with. Can you kind of tell us, you know, maybe the, um, the background on the company and how you kind of got to where you are today? Yeah, of course, of course. Well, first of all, let me reiterate, thanks for having me on, Jeremy. Um, big fan of yours. And, and, you know, we've known each other for a long time. So very glad to reconnect. Um, so uh, the, the premise behind Altius Sports Partners and the company that we put together is is pretty simple um name image and likeness changes are coming in college sports uh, we can go down a rabbit hole of talking about legis different uh proposals of legislation from the federal level different state bills or state laws and the NCAA's proposal which they punted which i'm happy to go into but at the end of the day the takeaway is that these rules are changing and student athletes collegiate athletes are going to be able to monetize their name image and likeness in other words they're going to be able to do endorsements they're going to be able to get paid for endorsements, um, paid for the use of their intellectual property, right? Their name and their image. Um, and, and regardless of where these rules land, this is going to be a seismic shift in 
NCAA athletics or intercollegiate athletics. And so that's premise one is that there is a seismic shift coming. And premise two is that um, the, the entire ecosystem from the NCAA to conferences to the institutions themselves have never faced these, all of the issues that come along with these sorts of uh, endorsement opportunities for their student athletes. And that's not in any way to um, be insulting or derogatory towards folks in college athletics. It's never been required to have that skill set. Um, so those are the two premises. And then from there, um, my background, uh, as you know, Jeremy, but and you went through my, the titles that I've, that I've held, but really the common theme from working at the NFL Network, doing talent deals, going to Fox Sports, doing more talent deals and working on media rights deals, and then going to the NFLPA and working on the for-profit side and doing all things NIL for sponsorship and licensing and content. The theme there, if, if, if you notice, is versions of name, image, and likeness. So we're on the sport, uh, uh, a legal podcast, so I can call it what it is, which is right of publicity rights. And so if you think about a talent deal for Deion Sanders or um, Michael Irvin or Troy Aikman at Fox, or if you think about media rights deals of live sporting events, those all have versions of name, image, and likeness of the athletes or former athletes. Then you go to the NFLPA and what the NFLPA's <clears throat> business is on the for-profit side is licensing, licensing NIL. So it's, they, you know, they have relationships with Fanatics and Panini and Electronic Arts. And, and I was a part of the executive team on the for-profit side. So taking my background and, and really understanding some, sometimes the not sexy parts of endorsements and licensing, because there's, you know, there's taxes, there's forming loan outs. Um, there are issues with just, you know, you, you want to show up to these opportunities these these endorsement opportunities as an athlete whether you're a pro athlete or a collegiate athlete like like a professional treat it like a job treat it like a job interview you know you show up on time you show up you know people's names um you know what you're going to be doing and and all of that experience that i personally had fits very very nicely into the two premises that i mentioned before which are seismic shift in college number one and two there's a need for people who have done this before and and so from there started having conversations with folks, um, had conversations with some, some of the leading voices in, in all of sports um, from Professor Gabe Bellman down at Tulane, who Jeremy, I know you probably know, um, John Entz, former colleague at Fox Sports, uh, David Carter out of USC, and Oliver Luck, former um, you know, executive at the NCAA, executive at the XFL, NFL Europe, obviously a, a player himself, and really, we got together and, and if you think about it, like a, like we have a bullpen of people who have different experiences that all impact or all uh, were impacted by endorsements. And we're bringing that to the universities that we're working with. That's awesome, Casey. And yeah, just to, I'm looking on the web, I was looking on the website and it's like, you know, obviously you've got you there at CEO, you've got Oliver Luck, who a very well-known Jessica Mendoza. Uh, you mentioned Kenneth. Um, Gabe, obviously big sort of, uh, um, in, you know, at Tulane law school and sort of the stuff that they're doing down there. It's awesome. I mean, obviously you've assembled a great team, uh, and tell us, you told me the story about the name. How'd you come up with the name? I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we really wanted to come up with a name that, uh, hit on what, what our premise is, which is to 
really bring higher levels of education, higher levels of excellence to these schools. And um, when we were thinking about how we indicate that, we, we didn't necessarily want to be specific to necessarily NIL, because with any luck, we can, we can help our, our clients with a lot of different things where we're starting with NIL. And, and Altius, uh, for those of you who might know, it's part of the Olympic model, and it means higher. So the idea is bringing higher levels of education and excellence to, this, to the uh, institutions, administrators, coaches, and the student athletes. That's awesome. Yeah. And I tell you, I mean, I know you were at the forefront of NIL and, and, um, and it's, it's, it's really cool because I think that with NIL and you're sort of really honing in on the education aspect. And that to me is so important. Like when, when I looked at the fair pay to play act in California, one of the big things in there that I sort of thought was, okay, it's great. They can make money, but the even better part is now they have access to attorneys and agents and people, companies like yours, who can actually give them insight into uh, their value as a player and, and to be able to help them negotiate those deals or to kind of put them in front of the right people. And I think you nailed it on the head when you're talking about all your experience and working on, on player deals um, and talent deals. I mean, clearly it set you up for this. Um, and and I guess that kind of leads to my next question, because obviously there's these all these different models that are being discussed, right, for NIL. You've got like this congressional one where it's, oh, well, let's have Congress set like a, a national threshold. Then you've got the individual states doing different laws. And then, of course, you still got the universities uh, at the sort of local level finding sort of, okay, well, how is this going to work? Do you think, um, I guess maybe kind of what's your thoughts on maybe what the best model is and do any of those models maybe work better for your company uh, or not? Yeah. Well, let me start with the, the last question, which is uh, we as a company are, are agnostic to where these rules land. And that's because when there are these changes, um, it's going to be a seismic shift. It's, it's going to be chaotic. They're going to have needs to educate these student athletes, no matter where they land. Now, it might be more chaotic if you have state-by-state -state legislation, right? See the example of sports gambling where there's state-by-state -state rolling out and, there, and there's a lot of confusion. Um, and frankly, it, it makes it a little bit harder. But it, it, um, no matter how this gets rolled out, whether it's state-by-state, -state, whether the NCAA uh, votes on a proposal and it, become, it becomes the law of the land or whether the federal government passes something, in any event, this is going to change at school. So that's that's the short answer for the second question. Um, the longer answer to the first question of what do I think the best model is, is I, I look, I come from, my background is in the NFL world. Um, so I, I take that experience from working with NFL players, representing NFL players uh, through at my job at the union or, or when I was at Fox doing talent deals on the other side, on the property side. and the professional sports models, particularly the NFL, runs pretty well. And what I mean by that is you've got the league, you've got clubs, you've got the union, you've got uh, um, individual players represented by agents and marketing reps. And you've got all these, and, there, and there's a lot more, uh, uh, you know, celestial bodies in this universe, but those are, those are the main ones, right? And they all work together. And a lot of my job, frankly, um, as the lawyer or one of the lawyers at the NFLPA was 
when things went wrong and arguing with team general counsels, club general counsels, or I spent a lot of my life arguing with my good friend over at the NFL over lots of different things. However, despite those, you know, jobs for lawyers that exist for a reason, um, everybody makes money. And, and I, I always go back to the examples of um, uh, when, when NFL games were going to be first, when it was first proposed that they would be broadcast nationally, a lot of the NFL owners in the league um, pushed back and they said things like, you know, chicken little, like sky is going to fall. NFL is going to, you know, we're all going to lose money and this whole thing's going to fall, fall apart. Well, look what happened. Now the broadcast deals literally fund the entire uh, universe, the organization. Um, then you go more recently and you look at sports gambling. I've used that example once, but I think it's really telling if you look at sports gambling and how the league and all the leagues, including the NCAA, pushed back on that um, for so long and fought that in court. And then PASPA was overturned. OK, the moment PASPA was overturned, what did the NFL do? They went out and they maximized revenue around it. Now, players are being able to maximize revenue. Player, you know, and it's not it's not necessarily easy. But the players are making more money. The clubs are doing deals, as we've seen with whether it's FanDuel or, or DraftKings or, you know, more traditional uh, sports gambling operators like Caesars or MGM. And, and then so is the league. So that, that using those examples in college, um, I, I personally think that less regulation is probably better at the outset because it's hard to sit here and to whiteboard out every possible contingency and then write a rule for it. Whereas if you start with less regulation and you rest on um, principles like, you know, there are vice categories, sports gambling is probably one of them, alcohol, um, uh, sup certain supplements, those are off the table. Okay, I think everybody agrees on that. That's an easy one. Then you go to, um, uh, you know, using intellectual property laws. Okay, can you use a school logo or school trademark in connection with an NIL deal? Well, I think the answer should be, well, do you have permission to do that? Just no different than if um, Lamar Jackson wants to go out and do a deal, he can't just use the Baltimore Ravens logo. He or his agent or his representative has to call the league and or the club. And, they, and then they negotiate it at arm's length. So, and, and then the last one is this um, very real concern from folks in the NCAA and at the schools about um, potentially, you know, losing revenue from corporate partners that are now going to go and spend that those dollars on student athletes. Um, again, just hearkening back to professional sports, I think we've seen that the pie can get bigger for everyone. Um, one example that I use often is if you look at performance companies. I don't know if you're familiar with you familiar with Whoop, probably Jeremy. Yes. So like Whoop is a fantastic company and we worked with them when I was at the NFLPA, just an example like that company, right? These performance-based companies um, are focused on partnering with athletes that can, that can wear or use their products to display how great their product is and make them you know, better for recovery and better for performance, right? Though that's a perfect example of a whole new market that would come in likely do a partnership with elite student athletes at LSU or Texas or another blue chip program. And then to make that marketing campaign better, they're gonna peel off some more dollars from another budget to go and get the use of the marks if it's allowed. Um, so 
that's my long answer. Um, it, look, I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does as to how these rules are going to land. Um, but in terms of what we're doing on a day-to-day basis with schools and, and their student athletes, it really doesn't, it matters in the end. So we get it right. But right now there's a basic level of education that everybody needs around what is intellectual property? What's the difference between public, uh, right of publicity rights and trademark. Um, and that's what we're doing now. That's awesome, Casey. Um, so let's take, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. Um, and then uh, I've got two more questions for you and then uh, we can, uh, we can wrap it up. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back with a new year comes tons of big games in sports with big games. You need big stakes. Kansas city stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos. Perfect for game day. Plus get free shipping with code believe B L E A V at checkout. Try out the snack pack combo featuring small plates with big flavor, mini beef, Wellington steak, burger sliders, Mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrapped in bacon. Every order is flash frozen directly uh, delivered to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically every cut of steak imaginable plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and use the code believe B L E A V at checkout for free shipping. Kansas city steaks, big games, big taste. All right, Casey, we're back. And now that we're hungry after that, I was going to, I was just about to say, listen, I got to say, and you didn't put me up to this, but I got to say I'm on the East coast. It's the afternoon. You know, I'm hitting that, that wall part. Uh, those Kansas city steaks sound pretty dang good. And we, we can't go to restaurants right now. It's COVID. I do. So like, I know. I know. Man, I, I, listen, I, I I think you might have just sold me on that. All right. Uh, Casey, I love you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So you brought up some really good points, and I completely agree with your comments on um, really that, and I hope I'm interpreting it correctly, the free market aspect, right? Like having too much regulation on this in the beginning is not going to be a good thing. And if they overregulate it, it's – we're going to be back in some sense to the model that we had before where you're not allowing uh, folks to, to sort of make a profit and to make, you know, money off their name, image, and likeness. So, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, Oh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead, Casey, go ahead. Well, look, I, 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 I feel that way. As I just, as I just said, however, um, there, there are legitimate concerns from athletic, athletic directors from around the country um, and, and, and NCAA officials as to um this how this is going to work because student athletes whether you agree with it or not or it should be this way or not are different than professional athletes so equating the two entirely doesn't work uh, and again you could you you and i could have a no, whole other conversation about the the evolution of the even the word or the phrase student athlete and where that comes from whether it's right or but but regardless of that conversation um we are here, it's 2021, these rules are about to go in place and just flipping the lights on and saying, good luck entirely with zero regulations, zero um, uh, guidance, zero reporting. I don't think that that's the best way to go about it because it is different. And again, I, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just, it's a different model. You got 18 to 22 year old young adults who aren't gonna be surrounded by uh, the professionals, you know, financial services providers, lawyers, managers, agents that professional athletes are as much so as professional athletes are. So I do think there's two sides to it is all I'm trying to say. 
For sure. And, and I agree with that. And actually a couple of the other points that um, have come up or I've come across is one idea is maybe schools limiting the money. There's been sort of two ideas. One was floated by uh, some universities where it was, well, let's limit the money they can make. Let's cap it, um, which I don't think is a good idea. But, and then the second one is maybe putting some of the money in a trust and say, you know, you can use X money for spending, whatever you want to do, but let's not have sort of the proverbial million dollars in your pocket type thing. I don't know if that's the right answer either. I feel like regulations had more come within the vice aspects that you talked about or some of the other things that you mentioned, but also I love the licensing idea because at the end of the day, if we're trying to train and teach people how to deal make in the real world, then let's put them in that position. And if the school wants to do a deal with a certain player and say, yeah, go ahead and use UCLA's logo or whoever it is, just like you mentioned with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, why not? No. So I, I think that's fantastic. I hadn't even thought of that before, but you're right. Yeah. Instead of, instead of limiting it and saying, no, you can't do it. Why not just have the opportunity, but you got to get approval for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's just resting in IP, IP law basics, right? Everybody owns their, the, the rights to their face and the rights to their, through their names and the schools. They control the rights to their Texas Longhorn logo or the LSU Tigers logo. To, to your point about those two, those two proposals, I, look, man, the, the both of them, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if either of them are great ideas. I agree with you. Um, you know, capping capping the market is just something that makes me shudder a little bit. You know, it just just kind of shakes me to my core. I, I don't really, I don't love that because I think, look, if if somebody's willing to pay at arm's length for an endorsement of a, of a young student athlete. And it's truly for the use of their NIL and not an inducement. And it's truly arm's length, then they should be able to make that money. Um, you know, it's, it's like in a, it's like a capitalistic, right. It's just like, a, it's a civil rights issue actually. And secondly, or on the second one, you mentioned putting it into a trust. I think that's a more viable idea or more palatable idea. The issue becomes many of these student athletes come from low income homes. And I don't, to me, that becomes maybe not a civil rights issue, but a like a, like a class issue of some sort or a societal sociological issue that I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, you know, saying, and, and then, and then you go walk down that path and you go, okay, is there a threshold by which someone's able to tap into the money now as opposed to the trust. And then it gets complicated because now you're bifurcating or you're segregating the group of student athletes based on their income. So I, we've, we've had those discussions internally a lot about these, you know, about these uh, proposals. I don't know what the best answer is, but I think it, it's a hard problem to solve and everything, no matter what they do, there's going to get pushback. Agreed. Now, well said, Casey. Um, and then two, two follow-up questions, uh, which will be the final ones. I guess talk a little bit about the potential of the NIL market and some of like the realities of it, right? Because I think on the extreme spectrum, it's like, oh, it's a, a million billion dollar market and everybody's going to make money. So maybe kind of um, in your opinion, kind of maybe talk a little about where you think it's going to end up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I put it into um, three buckets generally. The first one is a very small percentage of student athletes who are going to make six figure deals like we see with folks like Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes or uh, LeBron or um, 
uh, you know, any major athlete that you see being an endorser for a product long-term. I think that's a very small percentage. Um, those are the Zions of the world, uh, Trevor Lawrence's of the world, Justin Fields of the world. Um, and, and uh, you know, uh, female student athletes, I think there will be opportunities for them that are specific to women. And I think that's, I actually think this is a great thing for gender equity when it comes to empowering young women to go out and monetize their NIL. So there will be a few of both men and women in that small category of six figure deals, right? Like endorsers, you think of like flow, flows with progressive, right? The, or you think of like, that's think of Baker, you know, these Baker Mayfield right. commercials that are hilarious, right? Or um, there's gonna be few and far between. That's bucket one. And I think there needs to be, by the way, I think there needs to be uh, sober, realistic expectations that that are going to, those are going to be few and far between. Number two, uh, the second bucket are the, uh, a few, you know, three figure deals, four figure deals, probably in the thousands, maybe not even in the tens of thousands. Those are going to be coming from regional, more localized businesses, the, the car dealership example. Um, the mall, the local, the local country club that's hosting a charity. And if you think about where the, a lot of these universities sit, um, they're, the, they're, the, they're the pro athletes. They're the celebrities of the town. If you think about Baton Rouge or Austin or Tuscaloosa or Oxford, Mississippi, Ann Arbor, Madison, where I went to undergrad, right? Um, you, the list goes on. And I think in those places, there's going to be some opportunities for some meet and greets, for some autograph signings for a lot of these student athletes, men and women. Um, but I don't think those are necessarily even five figure deals. And then, and then you have the, um, the third bucket, which is the social media in-kind deals. So, hey, athleisure company hits up a student athlete uh, through DM on Instagram and says, hey, we'll, we'll send you, you know, three pairs of our top, um, our, our top, leggings and and top and tops if you post three times over the next two months um in kind deals like hey the offensive line is eating at the local steakhouse and hopefully they're eating kansas city steaks um, <laughs> but they're eating at the the local steakhouse and the manager comes up and says oh you guys had a great game i'll comp your meal give it to you for free if you guys take a picture with me and i can post it up above the host stand and then and then maybe you guys post it on social and give us a little love and that's the free, you know, that's free, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, but that's income, right? For the tax nerds, that's, that's like me, that's income, it, meaning getting comped meals. So those three buckets, and I think in terms of percentages, the first bucket is going to be very small. The second bucket is going to be a little bit bigger. And the third bucket is going to be the biggest bucket. I see most of these deals coming as in-kind deals as you, you get free stuff, you get free food, or you get um, a free you know, pass to a gym, things like that. I love that. And I think, I mean, it's so, it's so great the way you broke it down into three categories like that. And in some sense, it's like, um, that's okay. Because you know, it's just, if it's a free market system and you're gonna have some athletes are gonna make more than others, um, but at least there's a availability to do it, right? Uh, yeah. I was re I was reading this great article about uh, the cheerleader uh, aspect and how it's not considered an NCAA sport and how they for years have been making um, you know money and doing in kind deals and so it I think it's going to be kind of fascinating to see um, what businesses partner up with the with these uh, with these uh, 
these students and, and to see where it goes. I, I think it's great. Right. And look, I, I, that's nothing to scoff at. Um, getting free stuff as, as, as an 18 to 22 year old college student, um, you know, getting free stuff or getting a few hundred bucks here and there, that's valuable. Um, and, and the last thing I would say in terms of like uh, compensation, and this isn't one in one of the three buckets because this is a little bit out there, but I, I really think that treating NIL deals like these are the companies like a job interview. These are the, this is a way I can build my career is really important. Um, a lot of a lot of student athletes um, are entrepreneurs and they have their own podcast or they have their own um, you know, businesses on the side of, of, of other natures, creating t-shirts or DJs. And I think being able to um, leverage NIL to meet people in the, in the industry they wanna work in, whether that's banking or being a DJ, to meet people, to show up on time, to know their name, to shake their hand. It's like a, it's like a free way to get a job interview, right? And, and, I, and thinking about it in terms of brand, not just brand building, but career building is something that's a mantra that we have because like, like take Jessica Mendoza, for example, she's phenomenal uh, collegiate athlete. She was four-time All-American. She went to the Olympics, gold medal and went to the Olympics. Um, and then what did she do? She turned that into a lifelong career. And now she's breaking glass ceilings on ESPN, calling World Series games as a woman. And, and how did she do that? Well, she leveraged her playing career and turned it into a uh, business career. And, and she's a perfect example of what these student athletes can do even more so while they now or, or soon to be when they're able to go out and do these NIL deals. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think it opens up so many different opportunities and from the education and real world aspect, it prepares, it prepares folks for even bigger opportunities, you know, uh, whether it be in business or like you said, with Jessica Mendoza to kind of, um, to sort of travel that market and to, to take your career and then turn it into, you know, a broadcasting career. Right. Right. And then, so I'm thinking, uh, Casey, last question, we mentioned earlier sort of LSU and, um, and UT Austin is sort of like the two, um, the two big schools that, um, that have signed on with you guys. Can you kind of talk about, um, how that is going to work from like a, a model or like a business standpoint? So, um, you team up with them and then are you going to be working with them maybe kind of like an IMG where you're representing the school, but you're working directly with their student athletes to do these deals or can you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Sure. Sure. And we do have a, a couple other deals, the schools signed, but we haven't announced them yet. Um, so we, we, we're, we're slowly building and one of, in terms of our business model, one, one of the, uh, unique natures or differentiators that we see for us from other folks is, is we're really focused on education holistically across the board. So we're working with everybody from the MMR, the corporate partner folks, to the, the development folks who are raise, doing fundraising, to the coaches, to the social media, and, and that's included, but it's not all of it. And to do that, to do that effectively, we can't bring on 25 schools in two weeks. Um, it's just not, I mean, you could use the word scalable, but you could also you just say that we wouldn't be effective in what we're doing. Um, so, you know, white glove is, is a phrase that we've used. Um, customizable is a, is a phrase we've used in coming into these, these schools that have a lot of need and have a lot of elite student athletes. And we're doing it in a way that is um, 
uh, uh, measured and systematic. So we actually are really, really the best that we can put our money where our mouth is and saying, look, we have all these experts. We have these um, impressive people. Now we're going to do this the, the slow and methodical way. Um, that said, as we grow, you, you hit it on the head. So the IMG model of having an account executive that has, let's say, two or three schools as his or her account is exactly the, the way we scale this thing. And then, and then you can you can imagine tech tools. We've explored a lot of different um, tech tools, whether it's app or AI, you know, SMS text messages system, ways that we can take our expertise for education, which is our core uh, uh, offering and our service, and we can scale it even a little bit. Um, we're never going to be able to scale our business into into a robot or to a, uh, an app because the whole point of what we're offering is something more than that, right? It's the human interaction. It's the experiences that our team has and, and then we deliver that to them. Um, but there is a way to scale it, right? Through knowledge databases, through um, giving out information in advance. And so the, 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 just to put a bow on it, the business model is to partner with blue chip institutions in which they're, they're paying us a retainer and we're their exclusive NIL service, services provider across the board for everything. And that includes vetting other third parties they may hire, which you know, we don't view the, the social media companies, the folks out there as competitors. Frankly, they do a great job at what they do. And I, I think like we, not only do I think, but we are working with the decision makers at schools to help them navigate that space alongside the corporate partners folks. And we wanna grow with the right schools not necessarily all the schools, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, people that think like us. Right. And, and, and that makes complete sense because you want some level of exclusivity too, because you want to work with the best schools that have, that are, that, that want to engage in that model and want to create opportunities for their, for their students. I mean, that's right. I that's think it's right. great. I think it's fantastic. And I think it provides structure to a situation of what um, potentially could be, um, I don't want to say dangerous, but it, there, if you have state laws, you know, 50 different state laws, and then maybe you have a congressional like threshold limit or something, your guys' structure, I think, provides, for lack of a better word, structure to that, that situation. So I, I think it's fantastic. Well, I appreciate that, man. I really appreciate you having me on. The only caveat I have is now, as soon as I get off, I got to go find a steak to eat. Hey, me too. I'll tell you what, if Kansas City Steaks does not pay us a ton of money. For- <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I, I'm so much. You didn't even- <laughs> no, but it, this has been good, man. And I appreciate you having me on. And and look, this whole NIL space in college, is, it's a little bit like, you know, I know you're in LA and I lived in LA. It's, I, I've described it, you know, you know, down there, Playa, Playa Vista, right? right? Uh, near Playa Vista, there's the, the wetlands, the marshes, right? And I walk through it one time and I'm not supposed to walk through it, but I used to live over there and, and it, right. the, the ground is really sink in. It's a marsh. Right. And that's a little bit where we're at with this NIL space in college is it, it, the ground isn't fully settled yet. And the ground isn't fully solid yet. So folks that are trying to build houses on it, it's, it, it's a little bit, you know, based on certain assumptions or things going a certain way I, where we, where we are is like, look, we're, we're um, we see the ground being unsettled as a good thing. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be really exciting to see, how all that ground settles over the next eight, nine, 12 months. I love it. I love it. Um, well, let's keep in touch, my friend. And I really appreciate you being on Casey and 
um, appreciate your friendship and, and, uh, I'll look forward to seeing how this all comes together, uh, for you and the company and, and all your partners involved. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime. Thanks, Casey. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.